Toasted Soul. Toasted Soul is a podcast hosted by me, Greg Keane. Toasted Soul will be exploring technology news, business news, and just general rants on life. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Toasted Soul. Today I have with me Kundan Joshi. Kundan owns uh, App Labs. Uh, They create apps and things like that. Hey Kundan, welcome to the show. Could you uh, quickly just introduce yourself to the Toasted Soul people? Certainly, Gregory. Thanks for having me here today. Uh, Really excited. Yeah, as, as you introduced, my name is Kundan Joshi, uh, founder and CEO of the App Lab. Yeah, a company I started 13 years ago uh, with uh, the with main goal of using technology to create great experiences that improve lives. And uh, 13 years, we've been doing it. We've, been build, we've built more than 600 apps for, uh, for everything from startups to some of the largest companies in the world, uh, like Unilever and Samsung and JBS and PetroCanada, and the list goes on. And uh, yeah, I have a team of about 100 people that are innovators, super smart, brilliant people. Uh, we have a few products that, again, help us scale our operations and continue in our growth journey. Uh, and yeah, I, I enjoy talking to uh, new entrepreneurs, to startups, to, to mentor uh, people wherever uh, I think I can add some value and, uh, and help. So, so super excited to be on your podcast and uh, see what, uh, what uh, nuggets can I, that I can share. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm super, super excited to have you on board also. Uh, 13 years ago, like you were early, kind of early in the game of like, you know, just hitting it hard back like 2000 and what, 2008 back then? That's- yeah, 2007. So, so pre-iPhone days is when we started. Uh, I was, uh, it, was a, it was a time when uh, I had a two-hour agenda item to explain the definition of an app. Because <laughs> yeah. apps weren't a known thing then. Uh, yeah, so that's when we started. Wow, that's that's amazing. You're ahead of the game there. So when you started, were you was it just you, or like did you already have a team, or did, was were you the you know typical entrepreneur just you know hacking away at it in in your living room kind of thing? Yeah, I started with just me. Then I got my uh, now wife to join me. Uh, she was a designer, so I got her to join me, and she was designing. I was developing. That's how we started in our basement, uh, and uh, yeah, slowly grew the team. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's the the journey you always hear. It's just like you just start off like it's not like overnight ex- success, but you start off in the living room and you're building and you just you know kind of have hope. Know it's going to happen, but also a little bit of hope in there. So App Labs, you guys develop apps for for um, fi- Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, startups, things like that. Why did you do apps over like you know other you know software or whatever other ventures? Yeah, I mean, uh, creating great experiences has always been an important aspect for me. How do we use software to create uh, a better experience of uh, uh, related to work, related to vitality, related to how you get transported, et cetera, et cetera, right? And apps, we realized, was uh, apps and in general mobility, just uh, uh, especially in 2007 when we started, was just a new paradigm where uh, we could really help 
achieve that one specific vision, one specific goal in a really well-defined way. Uh, so in essence, that's where we started. Uh, but obviously, you've seen the growth of apps and the growth of uh, how important it has been to create innovative solutions uh, through digital transformation. Now, I mean, in terms of the work we do is not restricted to apps. We build web applications. We build uh, applications in all forms, right? And that's why apps are basically software applications, whether it's uh, whether it's apps on your phone or your desktop or, or on your watch or on your glasses now. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, it, the, the paradigm keeps extending. And we are, we are happy to go with uh, wherever the paradigm takes us. Yeah, you, you said on your glasses, like, so as an app developer, developer and as someone who started 13 years ago, like at the beginning of all of this, where do you see the market going? Like, I mean, like mentioning the glasses, what, what are your thoughts for like emerging markets or uh, moving forward in app development, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I mean, when it comes to glasses, I mean, uh, there have been several factors why any of the glass solutions so far haven't been successful, right? I mean, for the obvious, obvious privacy and security reasons, uh, for the experience more than anything else, no one has really provided a great experience so far. Uh, as of now, I'm counting on Apple uh, to again break that barrier, just like they did with smartphones. Uh, it was slated, uh, the Apple glasses was slated to come in 2021. Uh, not sure if the COVID would have accelerated or deaccelerated that. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But in 2021, 22, when those come out, uh, I think that'll have a big impact on on just augmented reality in general and what that could mean uh, for 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 quick experiences that are in the periphery of your vision, right? Uh, and AR overall, augmented reality has been on a on a rapid rise through your smartphones, uh, but it hasn't been on a, uh, on a on a rapid rise towards just creating uh, uh, more immersive experiences. Uh, so yeah, so I'm definitely counting on augmented reality as of now. Uh, but more importantly, just from technology standpoint, I mean, it's I mean AI in terms of the the reason why the buzz it creates is fully justified, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, by in the next couple of years, half of the tasks, whatever tasks that we do as humans will be enabled by AI, right? Which is no mean feat. So uh, so AI is obviously on a rapid rise for, for strong reasons. Uh, the, the, I mean, the pandemic has thrown us into uh, a digital transformation revolution and AI is at the center of it. Uh, and we are collecting more data than ever before during, uh, during this year and, and moving forward. Uh, which is going to power AI in a big way as well. And AI powers everything, whether it's not just the chatbots and voice assistants, uh, but it powers how applications work, it powers how decisions are made, how insights will be uh, given to any application, any software that's created. So the underlying technology, uh, from the underlying technology point of view, AI is, uh, I mean, as an organization, you have to, if you haven't already yet, you have to start thinking of, how can you use AI to, to really get an edge uh, in, in your market? Without AI, we wouldn't have the internet that we have right now. We wouldn't have some of the devices we have right now. The amount of load of like just data being pushed and, and mined and you know disseminated is unbelievable. It's not humanly possible to do that. Back to the glasses. So you Apple's release, um, you know, there's a lot of talk with Apple, a lot of things that they're talking about, the car and uh, the glasses and things like that. Why do you think they will be the breaker of that 
that uh, seemingly impossible um, place to get into where Google, one of the, you know, the behemoths was unable to do it like fully. Yeah, see, I mean, Google didn't have the right approach when they did it last time, to be very honest. They were excited about the technology and that's why they launched, they were the first to launch the technology. And we've known historically, uh, going technology first is never a good uh, approach. Going user first and uh, and uh, and user experience first is always the best approach. Really, let's understand the problems that uh, people have, and then let's try to layer in whatever new technologies or solutions, right? And Google made that classic mistake. They might correct it, and they might get first in the market with their recent uh, acquisition of North, uh, which yeah, is, uh, which is yeah. I, went look, I went to look for some glasses, and I was like, yeah, let me check out. And then it's like, oh, Google bought us. I was like, what? Yeah, I, know. I purchased them, and now they don't work anymore. So it's a <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I like those glasses. They are, they they did a good job. Job for a Canadian company, and they've done really well. I know some people there. Uh, so, so you never know. Google might accelerate there. But the reason why Apple is just like with smartphone, just like with everything that they've created, um, they always put consumers first, right? They they really do a lot of good work in designing good solutions aligned with user behavior, aligned with really understanding what's going to work, right? And and that's why. Sorry. Isn't it more that uh, isn't it more that Apple approaches it on the on like exactly what you said, but also on the emotional side of the product side, right? I mean, like they develop great stuff. I love their stuff. Um, people always say that I I seem biased, but I do love Apple's product. There's just certain things about their the way they do things that I don't like. Um, but yeah, they always approach it from the emotional side, and I just don't see where the emotion is in with um, with glasses. Yeah, see, the thing is, right? Yeah, I mean, emotional side from the marketing, you mean, right? So, so yeah, that's definitely the case. However, if you look at it, right, when it comes to adoption of new technology, right? I mean, people don't want to worry about the technology, right? I mean, yeah, a lot of, I mean, people who are embedded in technology, they love Google Glasses because, wow, this is cool piece of technology we can use. But people who don't care about the technology, that who care about how is this going to help me, if they have glitches going on and if they have the because augmented reality is not there yet, because AI is not there yet to really give that best possible experience, they don't want to deal with that in essence, right? Whereas with an iPhone, if you're new to smartphones, I mean, iPhone is the most, the safest and the most, although it's controlled and hence, I mean, uh, Hence, I mean, I, I don't use a Mac because I like full control on my desktop. That's why I right. PC, right? Where, I, however, my mom loves Mac, right? Because she wants full control. I mean, she doesn't want like a, a potential anti, like a potential virus to get into her computer, right? She don't, doesn't want to see things which she doesn't expect. She doesn't care about the technology. She cares about, okay, is it going to get me from point A to point B, right? I mean, that's why iPad became the most popular tablet because there were several tablets that came before iPad because, but they built a solution that had a great experience. They didn't have the glitches uh, or the or the unknowns of that what that technology had to offer. Right, same with the Apple Watch, and I think the same will be with the with the glasses as well. Uh, the only thing is, if they if they're not able to crack it, you may never see the Apple Apple glasses. Right. <laughs> Right, right. I think it's going to be, I think, <clears throat> I really like glass. Like, I liked Google Glass. I tried it on, like, I, I when it first came out, and um, I thought it was brilliant. Um, it doesn't look, yeah, obviously, it's not, like, as stylish as, like, your glasses, right? 
but for me as a geek, it, it, it did what I wanted. It was like, yeah, this makes sense. And because I always forget everyone's like, when I go to network meetings, um, I always forget people's names. They're like, hey, Greg. And I'm like, oh, hey, guy. So I thought like, this would be great because now the glass would tell me who this person is I'm talking to. But yeah, I totally get it. Like the, the feel and the emotion wasn't in those glasses. It was just like, here, tech people, you guys will love it. And we did love it. Back to the Google with the uh, acquisition of um, Focal, I think that is probably what they're trying to achieve, just like how they acquired uh, Fitbit. I think they're starting to realize it's like, yeah, tech people will practically eat up most of the really cool stuff. But if you get to a, a, um, the mass market, you need to have have it look, look really good and work really well. So yeah, Apple, I think Apple always, they also come in after everyone else comes in. Like they do do some innovation, but it's like a product comes out, it gets really, really good. And then that's when Apple comes in and they might bump up, bump it up by another step. And, you know, like for me, as long as the technology is flowing, it doesn't matter where it's flowing from. So totally. totally. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, in many ways, I am excited about the North acquisition as well, because I mean, North didn't have an open platform, right? So you couldn't build on top of it. I had inquired with them many times to forge a partnership to help them do that, uh, but they just didn't have that mindset. Their focus, their focus was get the hardware perfect. Let's just have our own closed ecosystem. But with Google and potentially the Android OS going under it, that just opens up the array of opportunities, right? I mean, Google Glasses, while again, it's no one talks about it anymore, we still work with Google Glasses because it's a great enterprise solution. We are, yeah. we are, we are building apps on Google Glasses and, and I mean, selling Google Glasses along with the software to several of our enterprise clients who just want to do a specific task that where the glasses will aid the workers to do so in an enterprise setting. And they're fantastic that way, right? So so while it's not a consume like consumer popular product, but it's still broken that barrier of augmented reality and, and allowed us to imagine in many different ways. Yeah. So we understand how mo how apps work now on our mobile devices and uh, even on our, our computer uh, systems. How is it going to be have you guys thought it? Well, you guys work with Glass. So how are the apps, the augmented reality apps for these kinds of platforms uh, different? Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to augmented reality, the, I mean, with mobile apps, user experience is important as well, right? I mean, it's extremely important. You have a small screen size to try and get through point A, point B, just make sure yeah. that goal is achieved in a very concise, very personalized way. With glasses, that UX becomes extremely critical, right? I mean, it's not just about creating a good experience, but really understanding the context of how this app will be used, how this app is not going to interfere with everything else that that user is potentially doing and is actually aiding them really well in whatever that task might be, right? Obviously, most of the apps that we've created so far on glasses have all been enterprise apps, right? Where we know that they are doing that job, whether they are on the, sh on, the uh, uh, on the factory floor or in the shop floor, and they're doing a certain task and we are aiding them with whatever, giving them a dashboard or telling them, hey, where are the different sort of uh, different sensors that you have within the facility and which of the sensors is sounding an alarm and hence you get yourself navigated to that direction or giving you assistance in terms of, okay, you're trying to install something, you're sort of a 3D view which you can potentially rotate and sort of try to figure out step by step uh, as you are doing it, you don't need to 
keep your uh, sort of one hand on your phone or uh, just make it easy for you to do things on the go with with information or instructions in your periphery of the vision. Uh, but with consumer apps, that changes because what will be the context? I mean, how how will that experience, will they be crossing the street while they're using that app? Will they be driving the car while they're using the, their app? Will they be sitting in front of their computer or will they be walking around their house? What is the context? What is that use case? And how are we creating that experience that's really aligning and aiding them uh, becomes so important, right? So, so user experience, number one. Number two, which is equally important actually, is, is with augmented reality where, I mean, you don't have like keyboard or you don't have ability to interact uh, in as simple ways, uh, a whole new dimension of gestures comes in, right? Whether, uh, or, or whole new dimension of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, synergistic tools comes in. One obviously being gestures, how are you interacting with that particular app? Second being uh, OCR, how are you detecting certain images, certain contextual uh, related, to, uh, uh, related to your surroundings and how are you either superimposing objects or how are you analyzing objects and then providing the input accordingly. Uh, IoT, Internet of Things comes in very, uh, becomes very important as well. How are you connecting to potential sensors or different other uh, devices and providing that data and information? So with most of the augmented reality apps, those sort of additional layers of, uh, of interactivity with AI, IoT, gestures, voice, chatbots, uh, again, usually voice chatbots uh, sort of start flowing in. Uh, Real-time analysis becomes important as well. I mean, if you have glasses, you need internet connectivity. If you don't have internet connectivity, then natively, how many actions can you do? So, so yeah, it just changes the paradigm in, in many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. it's a it's a lot it's a lot uh, a lot of stuff and a, a totally like a totally new kind of um, thought process when it comes to the UI and the UX of of these of these apps. It's interesting, and I hope it I hope it comes to um, the general public, right, where where everyone can experience it like fully uh, augmented reality. And I you know I remember when um, virtual reality started to become a thing again. Because this is like the second coming of virtual reality. I remember the way back in the day when it had those huge helmets and you had to stand in this thing back in the early 90s. Um, and now it's back in, in obviously a, a better form, uh, smaller uh, goggles and things like that. And I've always thought like the only way this is going to take off is if you have uh, a convergence of augmented reality and virtual reality. So it should be an interesting um, few years to come, I mean, like in the in the coming few years, I, it should be very interesting on the new kind of technology around that space and around your app development. I can't even imagine like getting that the information so like precise and concise down to this tiny little screen and and getting people to get the information that they want. That's that's going to be like magic. That's going to be the magic. The hardware, I think, is easy. I think the magic is going to come in with guys like you developing apps for a, a completely new platform. That's going to be cool. Okay. So App Lab, um, you guys have won a lot of uh, awards I see on, on uh, your website there. That's, that's amazing. How's it going now? Like, what is the, like, what's really driving you guys right now? Like, yeah, I mean, uh... Yeah, so I mean, 2020, obviously, right? I mean, uh, has been a very interesting year. I mean, we, from our office in downtown Toronto to being completely virtual for the last nine year, uh, nine months now, 
uh, where all of us are working from our homes and interestingly enough, a lot more productive. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, being in downtown and I guess I would say at least 50, 60% of the folks uh, do live in the suburbs. So it has cut down on the commute time quite a bit, uh, has uh, got people just, I mean, manage, I guess, the balance of work and life in a, in a different way, in many cases, efficient way. But, you know, I mean, uh, we've really built a great culture and that's one thing that I'm most proud of. Uh, we've built a great culture of people who care about innovation, but care about each other, care about really creating an impact. And we've always been a purposeful and purpose-driven company where how are, I mean, yeah, we create apps, we create software, but how are we creating an impact? How are we creating a positive impact on the end users' lives who are actually using the products that we create, on the businesses' um, sort of uh, health that we create the app for? So, so being purpose-driven sort of really aligns and brings the team together. Uh, and that was really at display, right, during the pandemic, where regardless of us not being together and having those water cooler conversations, we still have camaraderie and still have alignment uh, based on our values and the behaviors and our purpose overall, right? Uh, which is important as opposed to uh, a culture that's just based on the drinks that you have on Friday or ping pong that you play every evening, which people do miss, uh, but, uh, but, but it's not dependent on that in essence, right? And recently, yeah, we won the Great Place to Work Award, which I'm extremely proud of, uh, especially to get that, that during uh, while we are in a virtual world, uh, in essence. So uh, what's driving us, to be very honest, this year, what's driving us is the, is the revolution in digital transformation, right? I mean, one thing that pandemic has done, uh, I guess that you can say is positive, is, uh, is the, the rate of adoption when it comes to digital transformation. I mean, organizations that were either uh, being laggards or were not being conscious about actively being involved in digital transformation have had a rude awakening. And we've had obviously our, 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 our previously engaged customers who've been on forefront of innovation and where we have doubled down in terms of the digital transformation and mobile transformation activities and the type of software and apps that we are building for them. But we've not, I mean, we've started working with those organizations who have been laggards and now want to escape the curve by being even more innovative than anyone else in their industry is. Uh, so, so it's been very interesting, to be very honest. And that's, that's what's been driving us uh, to, during this time, how do we provide the, the tools and, and the, the ways uh, for our, uh, our customers and they are end customers to, uh, to use technology uh, towards uh, being more efficient, providing, I mean, grocery retail is a huge segment for us. So how do we ensure that people get their grocery same day using the apps that we build? Uh, healthcare is a huge segment for us. How do we use telemedicine and telehealth to provide care in, for various different niches in, in healthcare in, a, in an efficient manner. Transportation is a big sector. How do we provide deliveries or, uh, or uh, supply chain uh, to not crumble regardless of the situation we are in through building uh, a strong uh, sort of technology infrastructure and, uh, uh, and that digital transformation through and through. So, so that's, uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, that's the kind of work we do and really enjoy. Uh, and it's it's definitely not slowing down. Uh, it's only going to rise in 2021. Yeah, yeah. 2021 looks like a, a great year for opportunity. Um, 
uh, coming out of COVID, especially with the coming vaccines and things like that. Question for you. Um, so did you find that there are more delivery style and supply chain app uh, requests in, in uh, 2020? A lot more. <laughs> a lot more, right? Yeah. More. How, about the, how about the ratio for like startups, like people coming up with new ideas for and, and requesting those kinds of apps? Is what, what was the, uh, how did that look? Yeah, a lot more. And I mean, we are sort of at the forefront of it. We have, uh, I mean, apart from building custom apps, we also have our own frameworks and platforms, right? So one of our platform is the on-demand app. That's what we call it. So it's in essence an app that uh, enables the on-demand economy or enables marketplaces in essence, right? Uh, and I mean, I mean, I would say three times the number of inquiries for delivery type of apps, right? And different contexts. You have grocery delivery, you have just retail delivery, you have just uh, supply chain in terms of just courier delivery in general. Uh, one of our apps in that space uh, as a part of our incubator uh, is getting extremely successful. They've closed some major enterprise clients who they are delivering for using the apps that we've built for them. So there's not just inquiries, but there's also a lot of success uh, that uh, that a lot of these organizations are, are uh, sort of, uh, uh, are noticing, uh, especially when uh, by those who have been focusing on certain niches, uh, which uh, in a way, which are niches that are not disrupted by Amazon completely uh, or are not in play as of now. And there are several of those opportunities. I mean, yeah, there, there are a bunch of those which are, you know what, just another one because there is a demand and uh, maybe in a couple of years that demand might uh, not stay as strong, uh, but there are a lot more where you know what a solution doesn't exist and for now for for a long time till now we didn't really care about it i mean pharmacy delivery the, it was always a case and the pill packs of the world were doing a great job but now it's like oh wait a minute i mean it's a must we need to have it right and just the number of pharmacy delivery apps that we've had inquiries for and we've built this year i mean is like i don't know like infinite x from the previous years in essence right because there's a need, obviously, and some of those are extremely niche needs that uh, that are gaps that haven't been filled yet, and that product market fit is extremely strong. Wow, um, yeah, it's uh, the pharmacy. I guess that's that's probably really driven a lot because of like uh, older people and having to stay in, right? I mean, like everyone uses the pharmacy, but I'm thinking probably a lot of older people. Um, so a lot of my listeners are probably out there, and especially what I've noticed is the trend in 2020 was um, no one really want, like everybody wants to create their own business, right? So I'm sure my listeners are wondering what are like, I, and I, as a tech person and as a consultant, I understand like, you know, you don't want to get your costs, like the, what things are, like you can't put down a specific price on a, on a specific thing. But for people that are out there that might be interested in coming to App Lab to get a, an app developed, or just going anywhere, like maybe you know the industry better than, well, you would know the industry better. What would someone typically creating like a, a basic app to like say, um, if they sell apples and oranges and they want an app for that for that uh, that business, what would they be looking at? Like what's the process? What are kind of costs that they might be looking at? Just a ballpark, you know, no one's gonna hold you to it, just a ballpark. 
<laughs> yeah, a question that I get a lot of times and a question that I always try to find a way to dodge. Uh, but I'll try to answer <laughs> you. <laughs> so, I mean, it it depends, right? And, and here comes a dodge, right? I mean, it's, it's a wide range. I mean, uh, when you're building a custom app from scratch, right? I mean, there's a lot of work that's, that goes in in terms of definition of the problem, definition of the solution, really understanding who the customer is. How are we creating a great experience? How are we designing the application? How are we specking it out? How are we making sure that we are uh, we are building the right set of features and then we are developing it? How many platforms are we building it for? Is it just web? Is it iOS? Is, is it Android? Are we building a backend? Are we building an administ like admin panel for the backend? Uh, are there any ad additional external APIs that we are integrating with? So, so many different factors, right? Where yeah, there are apps that we built for 50K, there are apps that we built for a million dollars, right? So so it, it goes all over the place uh, with startups more so, it's probably somewhere uh, our sweet spot is around 100, 200K in that range in essence. What's more important is to really look at the ROI, right? I mean, if you're selling apples and oranges through uh, one particular store uh, in, uh, in say Mississauga, I mean, uh, is, is the ROI really worth it investing in an app, right? I mean, uh, and is there a strong use case to build an app, right? Maybe apples and oranges, maybe there's a decent use case, but if you're selling, I don't know, shoes, right? And you are uh, a small shop and you're not necessarily looking to scale, it's probably not a great ROI in essence, right? So that really that return on investment is important. How much can you scale the app? Well, obviously uh, building an app is going to be useful in you scaling the operations, is going to be really useful in retaining your customers and really getting your customers addicted to your brand in a way that they're they keep on seeking for more value and gives you an opportunity to serve them more value and hence uh, increase the lifetime value of the customer as well in return, right? So, so I mean, there's a really strong reason, a strong uh, uh, ability for apps to, to generate that scale and return on investment. Uh, so while the investment is a bit on the higher side, the returns are pretty high as well. Now, that being said, right, I mean, that's why we've created our platforms where, you know what, if you're building another mobile shopping app, you don't need to start from scratch. I mean, really, what is the IP worth, intellectual property worth to build another Amazon-like app in essence, right? So we've created those frameworks exactly for those reasons, not just for startups, but even for enterprises. But hey, you know what? You don't need to start from scratch. Use one of our products, get to the market as soon as possible, because that's more important to get into the market and validate your customers. Once you validate your customers, you can start understanding what is it worth to invest uh, in, in this product. And then either you decide to keep that as is or continue to invest in that product uh, at least after that value has been realized or has been actualized or validated at least, right? So, so those products uh, that we have, those are obviously much lower price points that make it a lot more affordable that, okay, you know what? And there, I mean, again, it, it comes up much lower than what the prices that I mentioned, but in, in a lot of cases, we go with different types of pricing packages, plans where we extend payments, uh, defer payments over uh, uh, sort of over certain amount of time uh, and, and things like that. So again, we always try to find different creative ways to, to make it work, especially when if there's no scale, if there's no ROI, then it's not a win-win, right? I mean, we want to work, uh, I mean, we want to find in the uh, creative opportunities or creative ways of working with, uh, with entrepreneurs uh, or with, uh, with enterprises. Uh, which were really driven and focused on that initiative. And, and there's a strong potential to really make it a $100 million plus business in essence, right? Where, you know what, 
well, let's find a way how we can creatively get you started and then let's build that $100 million business together uh, and then a, a unicorn beyond that. Right. So you guys have built over 600 apps. That's that's really impressive. And so are you working with, with onshore, uh, nearshore or offshore, like, or do you work with everyone? Like, how do you guys get, you know, how do you guys get so much bandwidth, so much throughput? Yeah, I mean, our, our core team is here in Toronto, um, downtown Toronto. Um, uh, we have our office in India as well, uh, where we have some of our junior staff. Uh, we have some team members in in uh, uh, US because we have, a we have a lot of clients in US as well. And then there's a global team all over the world, in essence, uh, uh, some in Europe, some in uh, uh, some in Middle East, some in Australia, so on and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we've built a global culture uh, in a way uh, to, to ensure that we never get limited from the talent point of view. Different geographies have different, bring diversity in different ways, uh, open our minds in different ways, as well as give us access to different types of talent and skills, which are more prevalent in those geographies. So, uh, so yeah, so while our, because our, our core market is North America, our core team is in Toronto, uh, but uh, we have an extended team that's in a way global. Okay, cool. What are the biggest uh, surprises that you've seen this year? I mean, like COVID was a big surprise for everyone, but in your industry, what is the biggest surprise? I mean, just the rate of acceleration or, or adoption in terms of digital transformation, right? And where I've been surprised there is, uh, is especially, I mean, directly speaking, some of our, some of the clients that we've gained have come from industries which we would not have expected. I mean, travel, hospitality, oil and gas, we would not have expected to gain clients in those industries, to be very honest. So that was the biggest surprise. We thought, you know what, this year, probably re grocery, retail, healthcare. That's what we can expect. That's mm -hmm. where we will place our bets. But the other industries, which were actually a higher source of revenue for us than, uh, than those ones. So that was the biggest surprise. Uh, but also, I mean, uh, just the overall rate at which people, I mean, businesses have been resilient, entrepreneurs and leaders, uh, they have really stepped up to this like unprecedented calamity that has been posed towards humanity, right? Uh, and I've been extremely surprised, like pleasantly surprised at just the grit and resilience and compassion that I've seen all around, right? I mean, I on a regular basis, I talk to leaders and entrepreneurs across the world, and I've seen that that sense of like, like you know, I mean, sense of barriers uh, getting ripped out in a way, right? We have the same enemy. We are we are we are we are facing the same storm uh, in a different ship, but facing the same storm, uh, and that has you know that has just brought in many ways best out of humanity, best out of leadership, uh, right? At, at least to those who have, uh, who still continue to count their blessings, regardless of the challenges, who still continue to stay positive, despite the odds. Uh, I've really seen, yeah, I've, re I've really seen a great amount of positivity, which has been an extremely pleasant surprise. Uh, and to be honest, that's what I choose to focus on anyways. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the best thing to focus on. Uh, on the podcast, well, I usually have three, sorry, four main questions that I ask my guests. And of the four, I choose uh, three. You're in the technology space. So I'll, I guess I'll choose this. So I'll ask this one. What technology do you carry every day? So if I saw you on the street, 
which I, I think you live downtown, right? Yeah. So I, I could probably see you on the street. No. Yeah. <laughs> if I saw you on the street, um, what technology would you have on you? Like what's in your pocket right now? iPhone, obviously, uh, with thousands of apps on it. Uh, I have an Apple Watch. If I'm walking between meetings, I'll probably have my remarkable tablet that I use for taking notes with me. I might have my Surface Pro or my iPad with me as well, depending on uh, the time and day. And probably my Apple AirPods as well. Wow, completely teched out. That's awesome. <laughs> um, why did you go with Apple over, as a developer, why did you go with uh, like your everyday carry as an Apple over like an Android? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the interesting part, right? I mean, where for my desktop, I, I prefer Surface Pro and I prefer a PC. Whereas for my phone, I mean, for the form factor, I prefer a great experience, right? I prefer uh, to have apps that I can rely on. And that's that's what Apple gives me, to be very honest. I, have, I do carry an Android as well. So I have that phone, but it's still my secondary phone. I've tried to make that my my primary phone, but hasn't happened. I just don't enjoy the experience that oh, I get wow. from Apple. Yeah, I, I've never carried an Apple. I, I've used them like you know friends' phones that are hanging out, but uh, I've never had a, a main phone, a main Apple phone. Um, so the next question is, uh, what advice can you share with um, young people, entrepreneurs, or or people that are looking to, you know, start something? Um, whether getting into the app world or just into business, like you're an enterprising uh, uh, business person, what could you share with people that are that need a little bit of advice to get things going? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the advice that I wish, I mean, maybe I received that advice, but I didn't choose to focus on it when I started my business. Uh, so I'll start with that uh, advice, uh, is really learn to embrace fear, challenges, uh, I'll add to that list what you perceive as failure, embrace getting out of your comfort zone, right? All of these things which you usually dread, right? Embrace them, right? Because those are the moments, right? Your fear, the challenges you face, perceived failure, comfort, getting out of comfort zone, those are the moments where you get most amount of learning and growth, right? So if you don't shy away from them, but if you attract them, if you are keen to encounter them, and if you relish them with an open mind, without judgment or fear of being judged by others, I mean, that's the opportunity for you to really have a growth mindset, right? And that growth mindset is essential uh, to have as an entrepreneur, to have as a leader, to have as anyone, to be very honest, to, to be in this lifelong quest of, I mean, yeah, you can say excellence, but truly lifelong quest of just being, growing, experiencing, living, right? And, uh, and achieving your goals, dreams, and so on and so forth, right? The other advice I would say is, uh, is embrace compassion. Embrace compassion for others uh, and just be driven to create a positive impact on others. I, I personally feel that with the mindset to just help and just give uh, at every possible opportunity, whether it's a 10 minute conversation you're having from a, with a stranger or a conversation you're having with, your, uh, with a member of your family or a member of your team or a client or whoever that is, if you're fully there, fully present in that conversation and fully just 
driven to add value to help right and add to add value and help you need to listen you have to listen with completely open ears and and uh, and by being fully present but once you do that if your intent is just to give and just be filled with compassion and empathy for those individuals i mean it's it's an amazing circle of life where you continue to get that back multifold from various direct, different directions uh that life will throw at you so so yeah so those are i guess two uh, uh two pieces of advice that i that i usually usually share embrace fear and embrace compassion those are really big those are um uh, the main core like uh, of things uh good advice like overcoming fear because we all live in this fear it's like oh i want to do this but i don't know if i can oh i want to do this but i don't know when do i start how do i start that's just fear just get out there and do it go out there and fail fail fast and iterate just that's all it is right and then the compassion thing is really is that that's that's a really good one like helping like i just i was helping uh, I, well i was uh, i was going to visit a friend this morning and there's a lady loading the elevator so i started helping her right just loading the stuff for her cuz she was she had so much stuff and another lady waited for me held the elevator and waited for me because she's like that's so nice that you're helping i'm like we're all here to serve and to see, you you can see the the how it returned to me i helped someone load the elevator and someone waited for me hold and held the elevator. she didn't have to and uh it was amazing so it comes back to you in so many ways that you don't know like you're here to serve so give and give and don't worry about it coming back the universe has got it lined up for you and you will get it back in some way you might not have noticed it but it, it will come back to you that's, and even even directly speaking right that's how you build authentic relationships right and right. life is all about building those authentic relationships where you truly care you're truly helping you're truly in there right and those authentic relationships come back multifold right i mean that's what you want to forge as an entrepreneur you don't want to have hundreds of clients you want to have hundreds of authentic relationships and find ways to help them right and if that comes out through your business great i mean your business will be successful if it comes out of just out of good heart your life will be successful i mean either way you are a winner yeah and and i believe it i like coming from you i really believe it because i remember how you and i actually i think we met a long time ago at a tech conference in Mississauga yeah it yeah. just like like your story is is kind of coming back to me when you said it was you and your wife working on this thing and i i have a bad memory but it was just like just on the tip of my tongue like do i do i remember this guy from that um but uh i had reached out to you uh, i reached out to our group on on uh facebook and here uh Kundan was help he's helping me right now because it was at uh one of my um one of my guests had, had uh, canceled on me and i'm like hey i need some help i need a guest and he he answered the call so he's giving this is him giving like it's it's a true thing he he lives by his word and i i appreciate that but the last question uh is the last question for you is a fun question everyone likes this question so what will they quote you out of context for when they come for you <laughs> hmm so i mean i quote this a lot i quote i say let's let's try this let's try this uh, so so one thing i quote a lot is let's build organizations let's build tech solutions that really create a positive impact in the world right and the reason i'm using that particular quote to answer your question is 
a lot of people tell me that, you know what, I can't build a successful company if I'm focusing on creating a positive impact on others. I can't really create, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're just saying hokey stuff, right? I don't think that's possible. I need to be profit driven. I need to put profit first. I need to put uh, numbers first in order. I need to put uh, things apart from that to really be successful, right? And the thing is, I mean, one is, I mean, obviously, like technology is extremely powerful, right? And I mean, there are so many problems and challenges in the world that we haven't even come close to solving and fixing. And with technology, especially as technology entrepreneurs, we really hold that power and key to solving so many of those challenges. And because there are so many of those unsolved problems, which are related to creating a positive impact in the world, guess what? There's a lot of money to be made, a lot of traction to be had in solutions like those, right? The second part is when you're really driven and focused on creating a positive impact as an organization, even if that takes out a bit from your bottom line or top line, mostly bottom line, you, what it does is it helps you get more loyal employees. It helps you get more loyal customers. It helps you create a much better tight culture. Uh, and you know what? That is a win-win-win formula and it helps you get much better integrated with the planet and with the community that you work in. And hence, really focusing on being an organization, being a leader that's out to create a positive impact, even if you don't care about creating a positive impact, is win-win-win-win in essence. So, so yeah, I think that's what I feel is, is taken out of context. I get a lot of backlash on it that, you know what, I don't agree with it. I really want, I don't want to create a positive impact. And I feel that because we work with so many organizations, whether it's startups or large organizations, we have creating an impact as one of our KPIs for every product. So even if a client comes and they don't even mention it or don't care about it, we in a way drive them to think about it because we, we, it, it, we feel it's, our, it's sort of an opportunity for us to showcase how that will result in a stronger overall ROI for their organization or for their initiative while driving them to be really impact focused in, in many ways. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Is, is that a good answer? I'm not sure if it, if it uh, works. I pulled out some stuff out of there that makes it like, okay. um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. So, um, that's, that's about it. This was a great conversation. Uh, your company sounds amazing. And I hope you guys keep doing the good work that you're doing and keep being the good person that you are. And I want to thank you for coming on and educating my, my listeners. And, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll go to your website, check, check out your products and, uh, you know, see how things go. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I had a great time, Gregory. Really appreciate you inviting me here and uh, I wish you and, all your uh, listeners, uh, an amazing 2021. Uh, I mean, it will definitely be much better than 2020, but you know what? <laughs> Regardless of what 2020 was, in hindsight, we will thank 2020 because it has, I guarantee you for most of us, it has made us more resilient. It has made us learn and grow a lot more. So it has been a great teacher. So I guess time to thank 2020 for, uh, for all the good things it has done for us and embrace 2021 uh, because it's going to be an amazing year because uh, uh, because of 2020. <laughs> yeah, 2020 was bad, but we're still here, so it can't exactly. be that bad. 
<laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Toasted Soul. Thank you for listening and supporting Toasted Soul. Visit us at ToastedSoul.com to leave comments or book guest appearances and to get news on Toasted Soul. Please join us again next week. And as always, live with soul. Live with soul.